the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good Monday afternoon. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Good hey, morning. What, uh, you cracked the door open over there. Is dude, there, uh, look, I'm from India. Do you this need to is, clear things out a little bit? Dude, I'm from India. What's going and, on over there? Well, I may uh, or may not have just farted, so so you don't have to smell it. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> thank okay. you for so, all of us. Thank you. <laughs> so, hey, I was at uh, our venture park in Bear Lake, and I, you know, there's a bunch of trainees. We're getting them ready for the, you know, the big opening, and we're getting them ready. And so we're doing our ropes course. And we're about 75-something feet high. And uh, I was taking photos, you know, of the landscape and whatnot. So I had to go across one sketch of the ropes course. And then I was training some kids how to get to the other side. Well, as I was training them, uh, what you do is you step into, like, and you're harnessed in. But you step into one, like, your foot into one little thing and you swing into another loop with a rope on it. And then you swing from that one to the next one. They're kind of like a jungle gym. Okay. Well... I got tired and I got stuck. And then I was just like hanging there for five minutes screaming rescue. <laughs> Dude, it was so embarrassing. For five minutes? Dude, it was so embarrassing to be hanging there because I couldn't, I, I didn't have like, I can't feel my arms right now. If you were to take my arm and rip it off out of my socket, I would not feel it. That is how numb I am. But there I am hanging there for like five minutes and then finally this, this, <laughs> This expert lady comes over and she she gets to me. And she's like, "What were you thinking? I was just trying to help the kids. Like, you got yourself stuck. Yeah, well, it's not entirely my fault. Okay, my arms are numb." And then she was like lowering me down. Oh, dude, that was terrifying. <laughs> I could just it it's been a rough go for me today, and it's even worse with all the sports. Well, the local sports news we're getting. Well, it's a mixed bag today. We hear good news, and then we hear some. Bad news. So some? what should we tackle first, Ajay? The good or the bad? Well, well you said some, so I'm just going to go ahead and put some in the uh, trash bucket and put the word a lot <laughs> before bad news. Uh, Eric, Bojan Bajanovic has been so key for this Jazz team. He said a couple of game winners. Okay, we're starting with the bad news then. We Look, just get it out of the way. <laughs> All right, Sunday night was a rough yes. night for a lot of us Jazz fans. Uh, you might have had to get through with a hard, uh, hard drink of Dr. Pepper, not diet, doctor, the real stuff, or Coke. Unleaded. Uh, yeah, on the rocks with no bendy straw. It was rough. Uh, Brought back a lot of painful memories oh, watching episode 10 dude, last night. Okay, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But you, by the way, Jordan didn't push off. He didn't push off. I never believed that he did. You never just, did, really. No. And it, it illustrated. I was there, and just the way that he was moving, Brian Russell was moving. He just overplayed Jordan. I always believed that, and the footage and the, the interviews, it just it confirmed that. We're getting. We're going to get into our three things on a Monday here in just a little bit. That will all be part of that story. Uh, but Bojan Bojanovic has been such a key member of this team, and now he's not. Now he's done for the year. Yeah, news today. Boyan Bogdanovich is going to get season-ending surgery on oh his wrist. Okay, so Eric, help me here. It's on his shooting hand. In the past three months, the Jazz have had Rudy Gobert pretty much shut down the world of sports because of the COVID-19. Him and Donovan get into some kind of a cat fight. Uh, Utah Jazz be shown all over national television about the crappy performance they had versus the Bulls. 
And then Bojan Bajanovic is done for the season. Like, what's next? Oh, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> By now. No, so here's the thing with Boyan Bogdanovich. In, in, uh, when I first saw it, I'm like, what? Why now? I mean, yeah. there's still a chance they could finish the season yeah. and still do something in the playoffs. This doesn't... Why is he mailing it in now? If they were going to do this, why didn't they do this a while ago? Well, here's the problem. There was uncertainty about when the season was going to resume and when and if it would resume. But then also, the longer this goes on, in the recovery process of, an, of a surgery starts to affect availability and impact for next year. So Boyan Bogdanovich and those that he's been working with, the Utah Jazz, they've decided, look, if we're if we're going to have a, a, the ability to play and perform for next season, a full season, I, I've got to do the surgery now. And so they finally decided to do it. He injured his wrist in late November. This is what's fascinating is that he's basically been shooting 41% from three on a bad wrist for the last three, four months. And uh, pretty phenomenal how he was able to play through the pain, but it it needed to be done. And so finally they just said, you know what, it just has to happen. Utah Jazz are keeping pretty quiet on it. They won't comment until the surgery is done tomorrow morning in New York. Can I ask you something? Why now? Why get the surgery now? Why didn't you get it earlier? If it's hurting this badly, why are we waiting until May 18th, May 19th to get that surgery done? Don't you feel like it's like, well, dude, we've been out for how long and you've been waiting for this until now? I well, mean, do you... But if the, if the NBA season was initially when it got put on pause, it was like, okay, we're going to wait and reevaluate in um, mid-April, late April, May, May 1st. That's kind of our new target date. And maybe there's a chance that NBA can resume after May 1st. Uh, Boyan and his people are thinking, all right, uh, it'll, we can still, the, the, the season's going to be delayed a little bit, but not too much. We'll still gut it out. We only have a, a handful of games left, and we'll go to the playoffs and deal with it in the offseason. But then it got delayed again, and now it's, I mean, there's some speculation that if the NBA gets started, there may be a chance it gets started around the 4th of July is some of the things that I'm seeing today. But again, that's still six weeks away from now. Yeah. And so Boyan Bogdanovich, as much as it stinks, I think he's just looking at the timetable and, look, I just, there's still uncertainty if the NBA season this year is going to be completed. Sure. There will be a season next year. And so I think he's just weighing the risks and the rewards and just like, I got to make a decision. The surgery has to happen. Might as well just go ahead and do it now. How much does this hurt this team as they get ready for the playoffs? That's a great question. I mean, he was definitely an offensive force for the Jazz when he was playing well. Yeah, he had some games that were stinkers and he kind of disappeared. But, um, man, having a healthy, on-target Boyan Bogdanovich was a huge weapon for the Jazz. So I I guess you have to look at how does he get replaced and what happens with the other moving parts uh, Joe Ingles probably moves in as a starter, but what does your bench look like? Um, you're gonna have to call on you know, Jordan Clarkson to do more. Mike Connolly and and uh, Royce O'Neal are gonna have to do more from beyond the arc. But that stretch four, I mean, George Niang is he gonna be the guy? Is he gonna play more minutes now? Mm-hmm. 
It definitely <laughs> affects a lot of things with the Jazz and, well, and it's how that, effective they were. Well, when we got Bajanovic, there's two reasons we got him. Great defense and yet better offense. And he does have great offense. He can hit good shots, contested shots. He's had man, he's had hands in his grill all the time, and he knocks it down. Uh, and now it just shortens their bench by a lot, I feel like. It hurts their bench a ton. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm worried, Eric, especially against Oklahoma City, where they've got depth and young talent. I'm worried about the Jazz face them in a first-round series. Well, I mean, Boyan was averaging about 20 points a game. Wow. He had clutch shooting. Wow. He had a couple of big-time game winners to, to win games for the Jazz. So uh, Great outside shooting, and he could also take it in the low post um, if he they do some switching and, and get some matchup problems because he has the size to take some smaller forwards uh, down on the block. So, yeah, not having him as, in the mix, that's a problem. I don't think that it necessarily dooms the Jazz in a first round against Oklahoma City, but it makes it more challenging. Sure. Yeah, it does. I <clears throat> I think it dooms them. I think it puts them in so much heat and so much trouble. If they get past the first round and you're a four seed, you get the Lakers in round two. Forget it. You're done. Like without with Bogdanovich, they had a chance. Without Bogdanovich, it's a 4-0 sweep. I don't know if it makes it a four-zero sweep, but it makes it really hard. Yes, I agree with you. I don't know that the, I don't think the Jazz would have been able to beat the Lakers in a in a seven-game series. But I think they make it six. But I think though. they could have made it interesting. Yeah, I think oh, they absolutely. could have been competitive. Without Boyan, oh man, yeah, I don't know because I think he provides a matchup problem um, that uh, would be an advantage for the Jazz. So that's. Yeah, that's tough news. Tough news for uh, for the Utah Jazz. Um, interesting comment from uh, David Locke on this today. Uh, yeah, David Locke, the voice, uh, radio voice of the uh, for the Utah Jazz. He's he's kind of been in the know with everything. He's had his ears close to the tracks, but he's kept quiet on. I'm guessing a lot of things, including Rudy and Donovan's relationship. Um, I'd be interested to hear what he would say about about Bogdanovich or what he'd have to say about him because I'm sure he has something here. Okay, here. Sorry, it took me a minute to pull this up. Here, so Woj first reported this news. Adrian Wojnarowski first reported this news earlier today, um, and then David Locke's reaction to it was: the wrist has been bothering Boyan since early in the season. Battled through it all season with the truncated off season. Depending how this season plays out, the timing on these decisions is hard. Crazy thing is, he shot 41% from three with a bad wrist. <laughs> Did you say November, right? Yeah. So it was a young season <sighs> when he was uh, just becoming a part of the regular rotation, figuring out what it means to play in a Utah Jazz uniform. Just kills us. Like, I mean, and I'm not trying to blame. Bodjanovich, but just not having him on the court, Eric, absolutely kills our offense, man. It hurts us in so many ways. The shooting, the way to spread the court, like it's way, it was one thing to have Korver on the court and he could spread the court, but it's another thing to have Bogdanovich who can drive to the hoop, who can be fundamentally sound with the basketball in his hands and make good decisions. That's going to absolutely kill the Jazz. I'm worried. I really am worried. And then, speaking of which, 
Uh, with that, we also have Jazz staff members who are taking off. The hits keep on coming. The Knicks. So, this is weird. So the Chicago Bulls made some moves. The New York Knicks are making moves. And they're acting like the season is done, which I think is interesting. Who, the Bulls or the Knicks? Well, the Bulls did with making some, trying to find some front office moves. And there were Jazz people that were in high-level discussions to join that, that organization. Didn't end up happening. Well, the New York Knicks, usually these hirings, these types of moves don't happen until after the season is done. But what the Bulls have done in this break with the, the coronavirus, and now the New York Knicks, it's interesting. Some of these teams are operating as if the season is over. But the Knicks today announcing that they're, they're going to hire Walt Perrin as an assistant general manager. So who's Walt Perrin? Walt Perrin is the reason why Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are playing for the Utah Jazz. Whether that's a good thing or not anymore, it was a good thing back then. He currently is the vice president of player personnel for the Jazz. And I've Great talked, talent evaluator. Yeah. When I've talked to people when I was working in Salt Lake, beat writers, radio members, staff members, all raved and bragged about Walt Perrin. Him and Justin Zanuck were two guys that people just love to have around the office and have minds in as a part of the Utah Jazz system. Loved having their minds in there. Now, luckily, we still got Justin. Walt Perrin is going to be a big loss. Why the Knicks, though? You want to go work for James Dolan? I'm serious. You want to go work for James Dolan? I, that, man, I don't know why. You, I hope they're paying him. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. You, we know how temper tantrum like that guy is. I hope they're paying the guy. The Knicks consistently proved to be one of the most valuable sports franchises in all of sports, not just in basketball. So, uh, they have a new president there, Leon Rose, at New York. Walt Perrin's going to go be an assistant general manager, so he gets a his role is elevated. Uh, but he's had a pretty good history of finding some great oh, players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Donovan, as you mentioned, Rudy Gobert, but Gordon Hayward, yeah, Paul Millsap, out of the second round. Oh, I didn't know he snagged Paul, too. Yeah, what a great player he turned out to be. Sheesh. Yeah, that's a big loss. So they got to find – I wonder who will take his spot. I know they got a couple of guys underneath the office who are young and bright-minded, but just the experience that Walt Perrin has is incredible. It uh, is well, very to- valuable. Uh, I don't remember where I saw it, but one thing I did see when this was developing is that it looks like the Jazz will basically spread around his duty. some of his duties. Okay. They're, 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 not, they're not planning on hiring anybody new, which I don't know if that's a uh, as a result of you know, uh, economic reasons because of COVID-19 or because of the staff that they currently already have and feel like they can move things around and just yeah. hold... Place and and that's the biggest thing for me is that I wonder. Huh. I to be able to find talent like that is you have to have a special eye, right? Gordon Hayward. No one thought Gordon Hayward as the ninth pick was going to turn into what he did for the Utah Jazz. Nobody. And if they say they did, they're lying to us. Donovan Mitchell. We traded up to get him at the sixteenth pick. Um. Rudy Gobert was in the G League for a little bit, then came to the Jazz, and people still wondered why the heck we got him. 
I, those are three valuable members of the Utah Jazz, and that's all because of Walt Perrin. It takes a special eye, and I hope, I hope the Jazz have that that eye still with them to be able to pick out those special guys in the draft because they got another talented draft coming up here. Well, um, Perrin's been with the Jazz for a long time, nineteen years. So, I would hope that over that span of time, others have worked with him and around him long enough to understand what makes him tick and what he thinks is important when he looks at evaluating players yeah. so that it's rubbed off on a few people. Yeah. So two big stories today affecting the Utah Jazz organization. That's that's a rough day. That's been a rough two months for the Utah Jazz. It really has. Uh, you know what's going to be worse is when we go to the first round as a high seed and lose. It's going to happen. Now. It's going to happen. You need some positivity here, Audrey. No, there's no positivity to have. Quit trying to be positive about something that's not positive. <laughs> it's an opportunity for other guys to step up and get great touches can't wait. and minutes. I freaking can't wait to see Eric Moutier take a wide-open three in airball. Manuel Moutier. Dude, same thing. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm telling you, it's just going to – it's a big poop on us. The NBA gods don't like Utah Jazz. Uh, the NBA draft lottery would normally be taking place tomorrow. But that's not going to happen for obvious reasons. It's going to be pushed back and rescheduled. Um, but it will use the same system that it has been using. So it... it rewards teams for tanking. There's been some discussion about tweaking the the draft lottery process that doesn't unduly reward teams for purposely trying to lose. But for now, they're going to just keep things the same. Hmm. So that's one thing. Uh, one other thing about the Utah Jazz, you'll be able to see that game six why would if you, you want to from that 1998 why would you NBA do Finals. That? Why would you do that? You just said keep it positive. But yes, everyone would love to see Dick Bavetta take five points away from the Utah Jazz. Everyone would love to see Malone get the ball stripped away from him. And everyone would love to see Brian Russell get burned on defense again and that Jordan hit the game-winning shot. Yes! I'll try because there was a buzzer beater. Howard Isley, Howard Isley hit, hit, hit one away. and they take it away. And Ron Harper hit a three that shouldn't have counted. And it was clearly later and, and it was gave way it late. And they didn't even that. review it either or anything. They let it go. And when Jerry Stone was begging for a review or something to the fact of, Dick Bavetta said, I got it right. You hear him on the mic, he says, I got it right. But it was it's kind of fun watching those clips. I'd like to see the game though still. Malone, how good he was with that mid-range jumper, a beast in the post, Stockton with his crisp passing. And, and even to some degree, you know, Brian Russell and his, the role that he played, Shannon Anderson, Jeff Hornacek. Maybe give a greater appreciation for Greg Ostertag for what he did in the low post. Yeah, oh, dude, Greg Ostertag was absolutely phenomenal. In the finals, he was really, really good. Regular season, he was like a jelly roll donut <laughs> that was... people just like took advantage of. Yeah. Oh, hey, speaking of which, did you see the 90s reunion 
uh, video conference call. No, I've my, heard about oh, it, but I didn't see it. My gosh, it was so good. I mean, we're talking Grand Hill. Uh, we're talking uh, Reggie Miller, Dominic Wilkins, Clyde Drexler, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Mitch Richmond was on there, John Stockton, Carl Malone, and oh my gosh, it was so good. There was a story uh, about Carl Malone telling Ostertag, don't bleep with Shaq. And Shaq murdered him in a game. Absolutely just murdered him. Uh, and then there was a... Oh, there's one where... who like, Ahmad's asking, you know, some guys, hey, what player today reminds you the most of you back in the day? And Clyde says, oh, nobody. Dominique, oh, heck no, nobody. Not even close. Barkley. Yeah, there's only one Barkley. John Stockton. Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Yeah. And everybody just laughs, and Miller's like, and Reggie Miller's like, drop the mic, that's it, we're done. And and, and you know the coolest part was is at the end of the video, and they don't have the whole like NBA's just hip uh, paranoid jerks, but they won't post the whole video on YouTube. They did for two minutes, and then they took it off. Uh, but at the end of the video, you see these guys, um, and I think it starts off with Charles Barkley, and he just goes around and he says, "Hey guys, I want you to know I love you." That 90s era was a blast. And he talks about the great games, the great rivalries. And then David Robinson chimes in with the same thing. Uh, Clyde Drexler comes in. And then everyone's like, all right, all right, no, thank you. And then all of a sudden you hear John. like, And when John talks, he goes like his face is like right next to the camera. And Ahmad Rashad tells everybody to shut up. And then and Stockton kind of goes on this little thing. He says, you know what? It's really funny. Because back in the 90s, we had this love you, hate you relationship. Because we did. We, we loved you guys, and it's a fraternity. But my gosh, I hated you guys. I couldn't stand you. I couldn't stand playing against you. And it, it's just a really, really nostalgic but respected video. And you could just kind of see the reverence of each guy having for everybody on the, on the video. And, oh, man, if I, there's, there's clips of it on Twitter, but you can't find the whole thing anywhere. They've taken it down. That's a bummer. It, it really is. And I hope the NBA will realize their mistake and put it back up. Uh, this is a comment from our text line, and I appreciate it because I was going to launch into something I wanted to discuss after the break. Okay. Uh, this is from 9315. It says, after watching the big dance, it's made me really excited to see the Jazz back to the championship finals soon. Come on, Ajay. Be positive. Hey, I got news for you. It's breaking news, 9315. You ready? The Jazz are never getting back to the finals again. I don't say never. Never. Oh, stop it. Never. Ever. Forever. Oh, it's because of the uh, the front office conspiracy about the Jazz being in too small of a market. Is that what it is? No, it's because the Jazz continue to like just self-disintegrate. No, so here's the As question I have for you, and I'd love to get your texts on this. 435-339-0321. Well, two questions I want to put out there. 435-339-0321. First of all, the impact of not having Boyan Bogdanovich if and when the Utah Jazz regular season and playoffs resume. Is it going to be a big impact? Is it catastrophic? Can they get around it? And then number two, the other question that I've got out there I want to get some of your responses from. Watching the last dance, does how did that? I guess the right way to pose this: How did that change your 
or remind you of how you feel about basketball today Ooh, versus point. how it was played I like that. Good question. in the 90s. Good question. So basketball in the 90s versus how it's played today uh, and uh, what you took away from uh, The Last Dance and watching those. 435-339-0321. More news today. There looks like there is a light at the end of the tunnel for some of these sports. And what does it mean for potentially college football in the fall? And there's some, maybe some clarity some to a controversial decision by California State University uh, over the, the week, this, uh, last week, and what that might mean for the Mountain West Conference. We'll talk about that coming up here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. The question is, two questions. How how much does Boyan Bogdanovich uh, being taken out of the rest of the regular season for the Utah Jazz affect their chances to finish the regular season strong and have an opportunity to win a playoff round, if not two playoff rounds? Um, winning a third, I think, is really not really in the cards, even with a healthy Boyan. But, uh, so what impact does that have? on the Utah Jazz if and when the NBA does resume. And then watching the the, the last dance, the, the documentary series about the, the 90s Bulls and specifically about Michael Jordan, uh, seeing the how the game was played in the 90s, the late 80s and the 90s, versus how it's played today. Uh, what are some of your takeaways on that? Uh... Well, uh, which question do you want me to go with first? <laughs> well, I think we've discussed the Boyan. I, I, yeah. Um, I'd just like to get some of the texts from our listeners, our listeners and how they text. feel about that. But uh, um, I want to – So rephrase your, so your question again to me, your second one. Looking at those clips from the, the NBA, how it was played in the late 80s and the 90s. Okay. Compared to how the game is played today. Uh-huh. What are some of the biggest similarities, differences – would you classify as one era better than another? That, that's a great question. That's a really solid question, Eric. You know, there, a couple things stand out to me. Uh, one of them, the physicality, even in 1997 and 98, is just, I mean, it's murder in 2020 basketball. It's murder to do the thing. I mean, the way that they're able to play. And, and the other thing, I actually... I was going back and I was watching, I think it was the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Bulls and Pacers that year. And I almost kind of missed the low-scoring games. I missed the defensive battles. And that was part two and credit to the physicality that you were allowed to have. That you were able to beat up some guy. Even though they said, oh, there's no more hand check. You could still, I mean, you got away with a lot back in that day. Holy cow, yes. Uh, And so... I think that's a huge difference from today and then. I think the one similarity I would have to it is that the athletic excuse me, the athleticism is still definitely there. I think there was so much athleticism then, and I think there is just as much if and may probably more athleticism now in the NBA. I think that the one of the biggest takeaways for me was just the reminder of how physical the NBA was in the late eighties and the nineties. Yes. And 
uh, I was watching all those scores that they would flash on there as they do the little oh, it was game nuts. recaps. Yeah. You'd rarely see a game over 100 points. Yep. It was like a big deal. Oh, my gosh. Like when they're talking about the Utah Jazz, they're going to face the Jazz in the, in the finals. This is a team that scores about 100 points a game. Well, it's a really good offensive team. 67 to 62 at the end of the third quarter. <laughs> 67 to 62 at the end of the third quarter. What in the world? Like, kids would just be aghast. And you know what? You know what the sad part is, Eric? Is that young people today would say that's garbage basketball and those guys suck. That it's not. It's like what you said. Physicality related to defense really hampered opportunities for scoring. Right. A lot. So I think the, the big difference is, uh, for me, is the, it was a much more physical league then than it is today. Um, and so I, I think that there was certainly an advantage for how the game was played then, especially if you're a defensive-minded player. Uh, you had to be tough mentally to get through a lot of that. But I think what I also saw was that there wasn't a lot of skill to some degree. Okay. And let me say, let me put it this way. A, a guy like, well, three quarters of that Chicago Bulls team wouldn't have be on a roster today. Maybe not three quarters, two thirds. Okay, there you go. Um, they wouldn't even be on a roster today because you can't be, I mean, just look at the NBA today. You've got guys that are seven feet tall that are routinely some of your best three-point shooters. Yeah. Besides what they do as rim protectors. So just the, the skill level in the NBA today, up and down the roster, is way better today than it was then. Everybody has an ability to handle the ball, shoot the ball, uh, move yeah, well. Yeah, but okay, but okay, sure. But that's also born because of the, the, the way that the rules have changed that give you more freedom of movement. Yes, because Michael Jordan would average 40-something points in today's game. That's not a joke. Michael Jordan, the 1996 Michael Jordan, would average 40-something points a game. But would he? Yes. I would wager that he would have more talented skill players around him that could also score and shoot you, rather than just a you few don't think handful he had of guys. Scores when Steve Kerr, Scotty, even when Scotty Pippen wasn't healthy, Scotty Pippen can score. I'm not saying they weren't skilled players. Don't get me wrong. But he had one good shooter out there that he could rely on that he gave the ball to four or five times a game. And that was Steve Kerr. Before that, John Paxson and B.J. Armstrong. Those guys didn't handle the ball very much. They only lived off of sloppy seconds. In the NBA today, There's they would be no a featured way. part of the offense. They'd be putting up six three-point attempts, eight three-point attempts a game. Not with Michael Jordan on the team. Michael was the scorer. Your job was to be ready if Michael needed to give you the ball. Otherwise, Michael was scoring. And Michael would score at will, at will in today's game. At will in today's game. Um, Michael made And it I look, don't disagree with that. Michael made it look... Because he would have much more freedom to get to the hoop. Or exactly. Baskets or get where he wanted to be on the floor. Now, but again, I think shooters like Paxson and Kerr and Pippen, if they were being in today's game would help out with that tremendously because they could spread the floor. And like you said, they're going to get a ton of looks. But <laughs> I just I, I sometimes think that we look back at Michael and be like, oh, dude, LeBron could do this. LeBron could do that. LeBron could play in that era and make it look just as easy, as my, if not more easy, than Michael. Absolutely no way. There's no way. In fact, 
with a team like the 2016 Cavaliers, they wouldn't see an NBA Finals. You take that 2016 NBA Cavaliers team from 1990, like what? We'll go 1991 to 2000, and they probably see one Finals, and that's at the end. That's how physical the game was, and that's how soft LeBron James is. LeBron James can do what he wants because the league is soft now, and people are just it's. I don't know, like I don't. It's soft. Don't think, oh, come on! Uh, I don't think LeBron. I wouldn't call LeBron James soft. He's a pretty physical guy. He's not a physical guy. Once he gets beat up, he's a different player. If he gets beat up, he's a different basketball player. If he would have took the beating that Michael Jordan took in, I mean, I mean, for how many straight years? LeBron, no. LeBron's not going to any finals. LeBron's going to get to the, LeBron's going to probably make a couple or a few Eastern Conference final appearances, but he's not going to the NBA finals. Jordan had a killer instinct that he'd do whatever it takes to win. LeBron doesn't. Uh... I don't LeBron. know about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, LeBron's not Look a Look what kid. LeBron has done on multiple different teams, different franchises with the Miami what? Wait, Heat wait, wait, was the one exception. Miami Heat was the one exception where he had talent around him. Like High-level talent Cleveland around him. Cleveland had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and J.R. Smith, who, by the way, people forget that when J.R. Smith was actually sober, he was a heck of a basketball player. He had help. People just don't want to recognize the help because their names are not Scottie Pippen. Their names are not Dennis Rodman. Their names are not Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. He had Kyrie Irving, who's a top one of the top point guards through many national specters' eyes, and Kevin Love, who's one of the better big men in the game. Their names are not Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. That's why they don't sink well. He to be the killer assassin that in a in a series versus the Utah Jazz when you are sick as a dog because for whatever stupid reason your trainer lets you eat a whole entire pizza at ten thirty at night. Which by the way, trainer, you can be mine anytime. Uh, and then you get food poisoning. And then er- Eric, you shouldn't even be on the court. And you score thirty eight points in forty five minutes, and the game winning shot. While Scottie Pippen's limping around with a back issue, and Dennis Rodman, who the heck knows where Dennis Rodman's brain was at any point during that '98 Finals? Like, as we figured out, Dennis was mentally everywhere, including checked out. Oh yeah. But with Michael Jordan being able to do what he did, makes him the greatest of all time, because LeBron doesn't beat the Jazz twice. He might beat him once in a series, or I guess in a seven-game series, he he'd probably get through once, but he doesn't beat him twice. And especially with the flu. LeBron probably scores seven points, five assists, shoots 30-something percent. Well, one of the biggest knocks on LeBron is that he sometimes shies away from the clutch shot game-winning opportunity. 2011 NBA Finals. Right, he'll pass it up. Right, you sit in the corner and watch Dwayne Wade go to work alone. But, Jordan never did that. No, he didn't. And he took Bill Winnington, Jed Buschler... Uh, Steve Kerr, who had his moments, and Scottie Pippen, who was like pretty much on a walking, like a walking stick, and Dennis Rodman, who was mentally, who knew where, and he took them 
to the NBA Finals and won a championship in six games versus a Jazz team who is supposed to be preparing for revenge the second time around, and we're getting blasted four games into the series. And that's another part we need to get into, Eric, at some point. As good as Michael was, that Jazz team just absolutely crapped the bed. Crap the bed. How do you get beat by 42 points in an NBA Finals game? How do you not come ready to play versus Michael Jordan? Yeah, that was a weird thing about that Jazz team. Yeah. There were a couple of times in playoff games where they just mentally checked out and just let oh, it run away amen. from them. They did that against San Antonio one year. Uh, they did it against the Bulls, obviously, as was uh, documented in that series. Uh, well, what's uh, interesting series. is that in the They 90- did it a couple times during the season. In the 97 finals, like they played better in the 97, like their first time around in the finals, than they did the second time. Like the second time, you just... Malone was shooting below 60%. Uh, Stockton was really the only guy who showed up night after night. Hornacek was inconsistent, excuse me, inconsistent at best. Uh, they didn't have the ability to deal with Dennis Rodman mentally. Uh, and they just, I mean, and when Michael has the flu, you let him score 38, was, I think it was 38 points, and you let him beat you, and, and you're up by 20? Where's that killer instinct that they always talked about? Where's that? Where was that? Um, you know, we play the full 40 minutes of basketball or 48 minutes, excuse me. Where was that in, the, in, the, in that team in the most important series of their lives? Where was that? And it's almost reminiscent of when from 91 to 96, when they would be one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and I'm talking top three. But then they lose to Houston, Portland, Houston, Seattle, Denver, Portland. And then Seattle in Game 7. Like, it's just that they were never mentally tough. They might have been able to play for how many games straight. They could have played through Boca and Toe, sure. But when it came to when you really needed it, they just disappeared. It was well, amazing. They, they tightened up. Yeah, they tightened up. They, the moment got to them, I think, a little bit. And they, they get that Game 6 in 98. Oh, they win game seven. Game seven's on their oh, court. Dude, they win game seven. Michael was gassed. Huge questions about, yeah. Michael uh, was dead. Jordan is out of gas. Pippen had a bad back. Who, know, who knows what Dennis uh, Rodman, we didn't Dennis know if Rodman was going to be seven or not. if he'd come back from Las Vegas. Honestly, we didn't know if he was going to show for game seven. Yeah. And so, and, and I mean, but the biggest thing, Eric, is that Michael, he even admitted it last night. Dude, he was sitting on the bench with 5.4 seconds left, and he's like, I was trying to sum up the energy to go play one more final possession. That tells you every, like, that tells you that guy did not want to see a game seven. Whatever, I mean, what they talked about, as scary as the Pacers were, Jazz, Stockton, Malone at home on game seven in the NBA finals, Utah wins a championship. Absolutely win one. All right, so love to get your thoughts, your opinions after watching the last dance docu-series uh, about the uh, the Chicago Bulls and their championships that they won in the 90s. Looking at the NBA then versus now, the biggest differences, biggest, I guess, similarities. Are, are there really any similarities? This game has changed so much since then. Um, but uh, yeah, just what were some of your takeaways from that? And also coming up next, we'll, uh, we'll get into some recent announcements by several different states around the country about opening things up for professional sports and an interesting development in California 
with a couple of Mountain West Conference schools. We'll look at that coming up next here in the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Two big questions we're posing on our text line today. The announcement about Boyan Bogdanovich undergoing season-ending surgery on his wrist. How much does that affect the Utah Jazz when and if the NBA regular season and playoffs resume? And then comparing the the nineties, the late 80s and 90s NBA to today, after you saw a lot of different clips in watching the last dance over these last couple of weeks, and seeing how the game was played, being reminded about how the game was played back then, how does that compare to what we see today in the modern era? Um, similarities? There were some great talents and big personalities. And I think there's we have those again today. Um, but there's a lot of differences in the, in the NBA today compared to what it was then. Oh, yeah. Because the rules are different. The physicality is different. The skill level is different. Okay, hey, let's... You got seven-foot guys that can attack the rim and then take a step outside and drop a three-pointer in your eye without taking a blink. So let's play a game, Eric. Give me five guys, a guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center who could last, who played in the 90s, and that could last and be successful... In today's game. Ooh, whose game would translate? That's a great question. By position. By position. Um, uh, John Stockton. Yes. I think he would still play well in this Oh, league. yeah. He's a shot maker. And he, he could run the sets court. Sets guys up. Yeah, he can run the court very well. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. It's would. no-brainer. Yeah. Um. See, uh, Charles Barkley, I think he could, but he would be cast in a different position. He would be. He wouldn't be a power forward. Yeah. He'd be a very small, undersized power forward. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Good question. So, I'll put John Stockton on the list. I'll put Michael Jordan on the list. Uh, Grant Hill is another interesting guy. Mm. Grant Hill was very athletic, very versatile, could do a lot of different things. I like him. Um, Reggie Miller? Reggie Miller. He would thrive in the oh, NBA Oh, my today. goodness. He would have a heyday. That's a good one. Uh, center-wise, is kind of interesting. Center-wise, I think David Robinson would be okay. Because he could run the court pretty well for his size. And he did it a lot. Um, I think I think they were, and he could shoot from outside too with with no problem at all. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Would you put David Robinson ahead of uh, Patrick Ewing? Yes. Oh, yeah. Patrick Ewing's knees went last. Yeah, I guess that's true. Patrick Ewing be and he'd crumbling. be more of the traditional. 80s, oh yeah, nineties center. He was a perfect nineties guy. Just live in the post. Yeah, he was live a perfect. In the post. 90- Penny Hardway. Yes or no. Yeah, he was a little bit later, but... Um, I mean, he was in 95. Yeah, he was a mid-90s guy. But he was athletic. He could jump off the roof, and he was a decent shooter. Better mid-range from outside, but still a good shooter. Um, I can't think of a lot of power forwards that would exist. 
I don't even think Carmelo can make it through. I think he could because he developed a, that mid-range jump shot. Okay. And I don't think he would have been a shy of stepping out a little bit further, developing an even a deeper range. Who would you take, Barkley or Malone, to put into this? In the modern era? Yeah. I'd take Malone. Me too. Yeah, definitely. Just because he too. had that more of a range offensively. I mean, Barkley developed an outside shot later in his career, but it was more consistent with Malone. Clyde? Ooh, Clyde the Glide, yes. He would translate. His skill set would translate. He'd be the modern James Harden. 90 Shaq, yes or no? Not 2000 Shaq, 90 Shaq. <sighs> Probably, because he's just such a force. Yeah. You could put, put him in amongst any era. But could he keep up with the game today? Oh, good point. Because it's fast paced. I mean, Dude, it's early shot clock. Yeah. It's up and down the court. That's a really good point. That's the one thing. I mean, you're right. He's a brute underneath, but underneath really isn't where you play anymore. I mean, it's usually a big guy getting to the hoop from the perimeter. It's a guard coming at the rim at you full speed. Right. The best centers have to be able to he would get, flush out. He would get dunked on more often than anything. He could, I mean, Russell Westbrook would, would challenge him, I bet you. Oh, yeah. Russell Westbrook would challenge anybody. That's just the kind of cat he is. But definitely check. All right, uh, another quick break here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, some developments today. that We've talked about some of the bad news. Let's get to the good Let's news. Let's get to the good news. There's some good news developing out of several major states, big states, around the country, and it certainly can affect the Mountain West Conference as well. We'll discuss that next to the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, some good news developing today. Several states... Announcing that, uh, hey, we're open. Pro sports can resume. Governors in New York, California, and Texas were the latest today saying that professional sports could resume. Arizona made an announcement uh, a little while ago, a couple weeks back. Um, So there's other states that are opening up. Florida has already said that things could be starting to uh, resume in their state. So I think that's... This is some good news uh, for NHL to try to resume and finish their season, Major League Baseball to start their season, and for the NBA to try to find a way to conclude uh, their season as well. And there's news today also that there may be a way for the schools in the Mountain West Conference located in California to still resume their athletic seasons, even if they are moving to their uh, an online learning, a virtual fall semester, which was an announcement uh, last week. San Diego State, San Jose State, and Fresno State fall under that uh, California State University system. But um, it looks like, uh, well, it, it, that announcement earlier that they're going to a virtual uh, semester in the fall, coupled with what Mark Emmert said, the NCAA president, saying that uh, campuses must be open in order to have sports. Well, he's kind of changed that a little bit, saying in one fashion or another <laughs> to have sports this fall. And so with that news and what some of these schools are saying after they're looking at it and looking at the order, finding ways around it, 
basically, they're saying that there may be a hybrid model here where we have some students doing it virtually, but we do have some students on campus, and that gives us the green light to still have sports. Well, I'm glad we got that cleared up there, Mr. Emmert. You think he's getting pressure? Oh, my word. Immense pressure. He's feeling it, isn't he? Uh, July 7th is the target date for bringing back football players because uh, that is the start of the second summer session in the California State University system. Uh, by the way, uh, just really quickly, a local news uh, coming, from, uh, coming from Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union Tribune. The Mountain West will be uh, expanding, Eric, to a 20-game schedule. Something that San Diego State did not want to have happen because they like to have the flexibility. But the Mountain West Conference uh, will stay at 18 games for the next two seasons. And then they have the 20 games starting in 2022-23. This is for basketball? Yes. Uh, who Was it the – what other conference just announced that? Something similar. Was it Pac-12? It might have been. I know they've been probing for it too. Yeah, I don't love that. I get it. It's a kind of an equal opportunity to play everybody in your league. <clears throat> uh, but honestly, I don't love that. I think you, you – a conference like the Mountain West needs opportunities to play games to help their net ranking. Yeah, and this takes away from that. And if you're playing each other more, that takes away some opportunities to go play some premier games, go participate in a tournament somewhere. No one's going to come to you. You can go somewhere to get a game on your schedule. Hey, didn't Craig want that, though? Craig Thompson? No, Craig Smith. Oh, I don't remember. I have to go back and listen because I know he talked about it a little bit. Um, I'll have to ask somebody. I wonder. Uh, if you want to know more about the Mountain West and some of the schools, at least those California schools, there is an article on cashvalleydaily.com. Football is still a possibility at California-based Mountain West schools. You can read more about that. That's some encouraging uh, news as they're looking at what's happening. And as, uh, as we mentioned, several different states are opening up things more and more and uh, opening the way for professional sports to resume. Um, and uh, opening up practice facilities and things like that where some training could be taking place before a regular season or some kind of a training camp happens before a regular season starts up. Hey, really quickly, can I ask you, going back to the last dance, did Michael Jordan's food poisoning story leave a lot of holes? So I've heard that story before. I think it's just developed more recently that that was the cause like, here's the thing, though. How come Michael and the security team didn't call footage? How can they didn't ask about who delivered the pizza? How can they didn't ask to complain to the people, hey, you delivered a pizza, and my guy's sick now? Like, it was just, oh, well, he's sick. Yeah, we're moving well, on. The director admitted today that the only reason why Michael Jordan was the only one who ate the pizza is because he spit on it. What? Yep. This is no, You guys all ate without me. This is my pizza. It's all mine. Gotta get camp. Have a great night, everybody. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Last Dance came to an end last night on ESPN. The 10-part series on Michael Jordan's Bulls was satisfying for both young and new fans. If you were there, it was so much fun to remember just how great that team was. If you're younger, hopefully you've learned why we hold Jordan in such high regard. There were so many iconic moments. The so-called flu game, the push-off, the year playing baseball, the shrug, 63 against the Celtics in the Garden. But ultimately, the last dance ended where it began in Episode 1, with the inevitable breakup of a great modern dynasty. Jordan said he wanted to go for a seventh, but management had other ideas. It feels unbelievable. And at the time, like history repeating itself. Dynasties rarely and gracefully. Money usually gets in the way. 
At least Jordan's Bulls went out on top. Even if there could have been more titles, their place in NBA history is secure. And the last dance, it was a wonderful reminder of just how special they were. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.